All right, welcome back everybody to another episode of Up in Flames. As always, I am your host, Mo Murphy, and today we're going to be covering a lot of stuff. Been out the loop for a minute, um, been coaching, you know, back to coaching and things like that. So I've been out the loop. We're going to talk a little bit of KD and Kyrie uh, and where I could see best fit for them. We're going to talk Baker to Carolina. We're going to talk about a little bit of the NCAA realignment and see about the impact, especially on the SEC and the Big Ten. But as always, I am your host, Mo Murphy, host of the Upper Flames podcast, VP of the wonderful Off the Ball Network. Make sure you go to offtheballnetwork.com to check out all of our good stuff that we got going on over there. We'll launch a new website. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube. Subscribe to Up in Flames Pod on YouTube. Follow me at Up in Flames Pod on Instagram, Mo underscore Cheese 15 on Twitter. And make sure you go like, listen, and subscribe to Up in Flames anywhere you can get your bo- anywhere you can get your podcast. We'll be right back after this. Warning. You are now listening to Up in Flames. We up in flames, yeah. We up in flames, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Let me hear it, Lambo. We up in flames. We up in flames. We up in flames. Yeah, we up in flames. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we up in flames. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we up in flames. Hold on, uh, check this go. We up in flames. Yeah, uh, we up in, yeah, yeah, we up in flames. Yeah, we up in, yeah, we up in flames. We up in flames. As always, like I said, welcome back to another edition of Up in Flames. I'm your host, Mo Murphy, VP of the Off the Ball Network. And today, like I said, we're going to talk about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, kind of where I think they should go, where I could see them going. Won't necessarily full-blown get into the packages just because it gets real tricky with draft picks and and things like that, but just kind of matches made in heaven when it comes to that side. We're going to talk about Baker to Carolina and why that is a very ironic move and uh, very wild. And we're also going to talk a little bit about the college football realignment. Yes, I am an Ohio State fan, which therefore means the Big Ten has been affected by it, I think, for the better. Uh, But we'll get into that in a second. But let's first, let's talk about Kevin Durant. And Kyrie Irving. So as we all know, Kyrie was granted permission to seek a trade partner, hasn't found one yet. And in the aftermath of that, Kevin Durant essentially went and requested a trade, called the owner himself or general manager, called one of them and basically requested a trade. And there's been a lot of fallout, obviously, that set the NBA on fire and kind of slowed up free agency for the last little bit of free agents that we're trying to see where they go left. We have Carmelo and Dwight still not signed, re-signed with the LA Lakers. And that doesn't look possible. James Harden, interestingly enough, still hasn't re-signed with the Philadelphia 76ers, even though the expectation is, but we all know, I think there's just a lot of moves that we're waiting to see be made because Kevin Durant asking for a trade, put a lot of teams on pause. Uh, Rudy Gobert was traded. So that kind of might've set, the starting point of what the Nets are going to be expecting back for Kevin Durant with four players, five picks, pick swaps going um, to Utah for Rudy Gobert to end up going to Minnesota. So I think that even changed some conversations as well. But 
for me, this is a little bit biased. It comes from a little bit biased. But for me, the perfect match for Kevin Durant is to go to the Miami Heat. He, he put Phoenix and he put Miami Heat. So to me, the perfect match for what Kevin Durant wants to do in a team that is starving for a player like Kevin Durant, it is the Miami Heat. Kevin Durant just wants to hoop. There's an all-time great coach. The coaching list came out, and he was one of the, considered one of the 15 greatest coaches in NBA history and Coach Eric Spolstra. We know Pat Riley is starving for that true, true superstar. And we know that Kevin Durant just wants to hoop. And so when you put all that together, that makes Miami probably the best destination for him as far as him continuing to try and win a championship outside of Golden State. Whether that needs to be validated to you or not as a consumer, as a Kevin Durant fan, as a Kevin Durant hater, that's on you. But it would be he would be able to go there. We know the last time he was at an organization that's solely focused on winning basketball games with great coaching, a great front office, and guys who just know how to play ball and a coaching staff that develops players and gets the best out of everybody from one through 15, that was in Golden State, and he won two championships and was a two-time finals MVP. At a lower level as far as star talent, but in the same concept or in the same conversation, the Miami Heat is Golden State as far as player development, getting the best out of players while they are wearing a Miami Heat uniform. And Kevin Durant will be able to just hoop. He would be the best player, but he'd be joining Jimmy Butler. I think they will work perfectly well together. Jimmy Butler, we know he's a dog. Playoff Jimmy is a different player than in the regular season, but he would take a lot of pressure off of Kevin Durant being there, but Kevin Durant will also take off all the pressure that's been on Jimmy Butler these last three years, having reached the NBA Finals, wasn't able to get the job done, having got swept in the first round by Milwaukee, and then turning around and losing in seven games in the Easter Conference Finals. This is a championship team starving for a true superstar to take them over the top, and I think Kevin Durant is that answer. Like I said, how that works as far as pieces. We can't trade Bam out of bio to Brooklyn because you can't have Bam and Ben Simmons on the same roster due to the CBA agreement with the rookie max extension rule, which takes a lot of players off the list from Donovan Mitchell to Jason Tatum, all those guys who, who signed that rookie max extension. It takes all of them off the list. So does Miami have enough pieces after that? That's a conversation. I would say no. Uh, I, I would say no. They don't have the pieces after that. I don't think Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and every first-round pick you have for the next 10 years that you're able to give up is enough to get a Kevin Durant. But we all know Pat Riley. If there's a will, there's a way. And we know if he sits down, he won't be able to just sit down with Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant isn't a free agent and he is under contract. But you know, the power of Pat Riley flexing those rings and, and, you know, basically that godfather mentality that he has could be enough to, you know, sit down with Sean Marks and get something done. And I just there's also a world where Kevin Durant could be playing for Brooklyn. He did sign a four year extension, four year, one hundred ninety four ninety five million dollar extension, four year max extension. So Brooklyn is not in a position where they have to trade him. So that is something to remember. But we also play the side of this is a player's league. And if the guy wants out, more than likely he's going to be out. 
the tricky thing is we know Kevin Durant just wants to hoop. We know that. He just really want to hoop. I think if he could just go out there, be one of the greatest players of all time that we've seen, and, and there were no antics, that, that would be a perfect world to me from what we've seen for Kevin Durant. He just wants to hoop. He just want to play ball and have the best opportunity to win championships. That's what he wants to do. So it's when all the other antics start coming in is when Kevin Durant is kind of ready to move on. Like he was winning championships in, in Golden State and probably wasn't as satisfied as it was because then it's still like he just went out there, hooped, won two finals MVPs, and his greatness is getting questioned because that Steph team and your questioning has moved to Golden State. But here's my thing with Kevin Durant going to Golden State. Whether you agree with the move or not, while he was there, he did what he was supposed to do with making that move. Kevin Durant went to Golden State, essentially made that team unstoppable, and when healthy, that team was unstoppable and won championships back-to-back -back with him being the best player on the team as expected. Whether that was Steph's team or Kevin Durant's team is a conversation for another time. But my thing about killing Kevin Durant for going to Golden State is I would criticize him if he didn't win, but he did. No matter how unfair you felt it was, he got the, the expectation of what he was supposed to do while in Golden State. He did it. He won the championships. He won the finals MVP. He was the best performer. He went toe-to-toe -to -toe with LeBron James. Whether you were expecting them to what you knew they should win, but the thing is, they did. If you have an expectation, they reached the expectation and won them championships outside of when they weren't healthy. When Kevin Durant tore his Achilles and Klay Thompson tore his ACL and it was Steph having to battle Kawhi kind of by himself. Yes, he had Draymond Green, but still, like, that Toronto team was, you know, underratedly really good. People give a lot of props to Kawhi Leonard as a statement of him being able to win a championship by himself because they don't give enough credit to the Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam and OG Anuba and all the other supporting pieces that, that Kawhi Leonard had around and we have another conversation about whether you think they win if those injuries don't happen. But at the end of the day, I don't kill Kevin Durant because he did what he was supposed to do in making the move. Whether you think it was weak, whether you don't agree or not, he still won. And that's what matters. But it probably wasn't as satisfying because even though he won two while, while there and while healthy and when they were fully ready to go, ready for battle, they, they answered the call and won championships. He's still getting questioned. His greatness is getting questioned. He's memes on, on on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and you know everybody's clowning them and at them and then they have a problem when he comes back back and forth with them because really all Kevin Durant wants to do is hoop and win championships. He wants to be a winner and he want to play basketball. He don't want to deal with all that other stuff. But when his name is negatively tarnished in in media night in and night out after being a two-time champ, a two-time finals MVP, and then after everybody else comes around and wins and we're applauding Giannis we're, we're applauding a lot of these other guys, rightfully so, but we gave too much criticism, I think, to Kevin Durant because after the initial move, all right, KD, all the pressure's on you. You better win. And what did he do? He applied pressure, and he won two championships and got two finals MVPs. So that's all I'm saying. That's why I don't kill Kevin Durant for it because, yes, whether I agree with the move or not, could he have went other places not as stacked as Golden State and led them to a championship? I think so. How do you look at it? I think there were 
couple other spots he could have went, won championships, but that's neither the here nor there because the spot that he went to, the expectation full-blown was this is a super team of all super teams and y'all better win championships, and Kevin Durant answered the call. So I have nothing negative to say about that move. So now when I'm talking about KD in Miami, like, people are, this, this is how wild social media is, is that KD puts two, two teams, his top two teams were Phoenix and Miami. And all everybody noticed was that it was the number one seed in the West and the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. But what I noticed is that two teams that are on the verge of winning a championship and essentially are a Kevin Durant away from being able to win a championship. Miami reached the finals in the NBA bubble, right? You don't want to validate it. That's cool. I'm not here to argue that. The team reached the finals. Miami then goes and loses in the first round to the eventual champion, the Milwaukee Bucks. This past year, they go to the Easter Conference Finals and they go to seven games. A, a, a Jimmy, a questionable Jimmy Butler shot, possibly away from, you know, going into overtime and maybe winning that game, maybe not. Ne- neither the here nor there. That's the pass. But what they didn't do, then you go to Phoenix side. Phoenix went to the finals last year, lost it up 2 0, lost to Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. Go this year, lose in the second round to Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks in seven games. So we're seeing teams who reached the finals and then took a slight step back, right? Phoenix reached the finals, gets knocked out in the second round. Miami reaches the finals, knocked out in the first round, so they got knocked back down to reality, if that's what you want to call it, and then pushed back up. We're like, okay, they're the number one seed in the Easter Conference. They're playing... In the Easter Conference Finals, they lose in seven games to a team that you probably just felt was a little bit better anyway. And Boston rightfully won that in a hard-fought series, however you want to look at it. Some people weren't that entertained. But you add Kevin Durant. This is a team in Miami who hasn't won a championship since the departure of LeBron James. They made a finals with Jimmy Butler, but they didn't win. They lost the six to the LA Lakers, swept by the Milwaukee Bucks, losing seven in the Conference Finals to the Boston Celtics. You're a Kevin Durant away from winning a championship. The Phoenix Suns go to the finals, lose a 2-0 lead to Giannis in Milwaukee, and then they lose in seven games to Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. Probably a Kevin Durant away from winning the championship. But we're looking at it like, oh, of course, it's there, people are trying to make it like it's equivalent. Him wanting to go to Phoenix or Miami is equivalent to him when he went to Golden State, and it's nowhere near that. It's, it's, it's not even in the same conversation is that Miami didn't beat Brooklyn. Phoenix didn't beat Brooklyn in the playoffs. Like all the factors, it's not even near that Devin Booker ain't no damn Chris Paul, Jimmy, but I mean, Devin Booker ain't no damn Stephen Curry. My bad. Jimmy Butler ain't no damn Stephen Curry. You know what I'm saying? So no. And then adding Kevin Durant and going on to win the championship would mean like I came here and I was the missing piece and I got the job done. Does he need to win one? Does he need to win two? I'll let y'all have that conversation. But Yes, they were both the number one seeds, but they fell short of expectation. If we're going to get on them about, oh, they were the one seeds and they were championship contenders, but that's all they were, were contenders because neither team made the finals and neither team won the championship. So therefore, I would say they're a Kevin Durant away. He could be that get over the hump with Miami being to two conference finals in the past three years, being to an NBA finals in the past three years. They're starving for that superstar. That superstar is Kevin Durant. 
And so I think it would be a match made in heaven where you put him back with an a, a all-time head coach. Maybe Coach Spall isn't on Coach Kerr's level, but we're still talking about voted by his peers, one of the 15 greatest coaches of all time. We're talking about a dog in Jimmy Butler who just grinds and just wants to win. We're talking about the culture and the heat culture, which is you can get guys drafted late in the first round, second round, undrafted, pull them up from the G League. And what you do is maximize the potential of players one through 15 on your roster to a lesser degree, a very similar situation to Golden State. But respectfully, obviously to a lesser degree because Jimmy isn't Steph, you know, Duncan isn't Clay. Bam, you argue, Bam and Draymond, maybe, but I don't know how that would have to work with not being able to have Bam. I don't think Miami would want to take Ben Simmons, but that's enough on the Kevin Durant rant. Um, KD, come to Miami. Let, let's just put it like that. Kevin Durant, come to Miami. Yes, it's biased, but I also gave you, like, I would. that's where I would love to see. I would love to see Kevin Durant come to my favorite team, but I give you the reasons why, and I think that it's a match made in heaven from Hooper to greatly run organization from top to bottom to all the way to the bottom of the roster. You're going to maximize everything. You'll maximize the three to four years left, I think, that we'll have of Kevin Durant basically through the rest of his contract of playing at a high Hall of Fame level, which is what he's playing at right now as we speak. So I want to move on, switch over from Kevin Durant to Kyrie Irving. I'm going to keep this short. I'm going to keep this simple. The best place for Kyrie Irving to go is the LA Lakers. Looks like that's probably the only place. That's the best spot for Kyrie Irving. I think Kyrie wants to wear a Lakers uniform. We know how much he loved Kobe. We know he's spoken in, in multiple facets. You know, I, I re always refer to how what he said on I Am Athlete, but Kyrie Irving has hinted in multiple times prior to him basically wanting out of Brooklyn that he, he wished he was more mature and handled the LeBron James situation differently. And he had interesting interestingly said on the I am athlete podcast. If he had the maturity of now that he did back then, he probably would be an LA Laker And the media didn't jump on that. When I heard that I just jumped, like, is he calling to get back with LeBron James? He's entering the last year of his contract. Like, you know, Brooklyn has said some things about they want guys who want to be here and are available and, and willing to do whatever it is to win a championship. And it doesn't seem like they feel like Kyrie is that from, from the Brooklyn side, from everything they're saying, it almost seems like shots fired at Kyrie Irving. And then he comes out and says this, and it's not like groundbreaking news that, that, that he said that, but now that he was able to seek a trade and really we know the Lakers are the only real suitors because it seems like Kyrie, that's where he wants to go. And every other team feels like it'll be a one year rental. Cause it seems inevitable that he wants to link back with LeBron James at some point sooner rather than later, since LeBron is getting older. But we do know he wants to link back with LeBron James at one point from everything that's been hinted. We know LeBron wants Kyrie Irving. So to me, Kyrie to the Lakers is almost the only option. And if it's about draft picks, I understand, like, you want to maximize LeBron James' time, but at the same time, like, you've given, enough of, given up enough of your future that you don't want to fully jump on that. So I, so I understand not giving up the 2027 or 2029, but if you're trying to win championships... I think you got to let the brand sell itself. You worry about first-round picks later on down the line. That's just me. You maximize the time that you have with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and your brand sells itself. You've never been a franchise fully starving for stars. You went from 
Magic and Kareem and Worthy to Kobe and Shaq, you know, to LeBron, to Kobe and Powell. And you're able to get Dwight coming in there at the time that he was like a superstar in the league. And then you went from there and had a few down years and boom, here comes LeBron James after you doing a great job. Then you know what? We go get Anthony Davis. Then we, even though it didn't turn out to be a great thing, like you got Mr. Triple Double and Russell Westbrook. So the thought that the Lakers would be starving for a star six, seven years down the line, little crazy to me because they haven't spent that many years down in the dumps, even with towards the end of Kobe's career, like boom, here comes LeBron James to LA. And since then you've had stars and now have the possibility of getting Kyrie Irving. So the Lakers brand is still strong and still sells itself as people will still, some of these young cats probably will at some point, don't know who it is. Don't know who would want out. Five years, four or five years from now is a long time. You never know what mistake an organization can make, what mistake a player, what kind of ambition a player has and what he has on his mind, especially when it comes to business-wise. L.A. is the perfect spot for a guy to expound and expand on business like these guys are doing. So I don't think they'd be starving for a star for so long that they got to worry about 2027 and 2029. When you're talking about acquiring Kyrie Irving and maximizing the last year or two that you have left of LeBron James and Anthony Davis together. So Kyrie to the Lakers is really the only move. I think it's the inevitable and, and we'll see how it shakes out enough about the NBA. Let's move on to the NFL touch on the Baker Mayfield to the Carolina Panthers. Baker Mayfield to Carolina is almost ironic because if I told you when he was drafted at number one and Sam Darnold was drafted at number three, that they would both end up in the same organization on the same team heading into training camp with an expected quarterback battle while both essentially making $18 million. Cleveland paid 10 mil of, of Baker Mayfield's contract and then Carolina paid three and put or paid five and put the rest of incentives still probably make it 18 million this year. And Sam Darnold, because they're under the same contract being the number one and number three pick, if I told you they would be going into training camp on a quarterback battle with the day they got drafted, you would have called me crazy. However, you evaluated Baker Mayfield at the time and felt like he should have been the number one pick or not. Conversation for another day. But what's happening is the former number one pick was traded to the Carolina Panthers for a conditional fifth round pick. A quarterback was traded for a fifth round pick. A former number one pick. That's crazy in itself. And I do feel like Baker is better than we say. And I listen, I, I've been one of the Baker Mayfield haters um, as far as really criticizing him, especially last year. But in all that, I will also say that Baker Mayfield probably shouldn't have played last year. Like the minute he got injured, he shouldn't have played through injury because he didn't do himself any justice. And then obviously the Odell Beckham senior video came out of times that he underthrew Odell missed Odell, you know, just wasn't on the same page. And that was a bad look on Baker. I think the locker room started splitting. Nobody really came out and spoke on Baker's behalf, which if you're a quarterback that's kind of taken over the locker room, you see it time and time again. I mean, even Robbie Anderson came out and said that him saying no on an Instagram post of acquiring Baker Mayfield prior to it happening like a month ago was him protecting his quarterback in the locker room, was him speaking up for his guy in the locker room, which is, even though they were looking at getting Baker Mayfield because they didn't trust Sam Darnold and Matt Rule's kind of essentially coaching this year, probably for his job and probably way that 
all his options right now, Baker might give him a best, give him the best shot of keeping his job at least for another year. We'll see. There's a lot of things going on in Carolina, but Robbie Anderson still spoke up for, for Sam Darnold, even though he played decent early and they were winning games because of their strength of schedule and played pretty bad, really got hurt, got benched, however you want to look at it, but he played bad and doesn't look like any answer for the future. But Robbie Anderson still spoke on him probably because they just love Sam Darnold and he kind of took over that locker room, which is why like Jarvis Landry didn't come out and speak on Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt didn't have anything to say about Baker Mayfield. Miles Garrett didn't have anything to defend Baker Mayfield. The coach never came out and defended under that circumstance, came out and defended Baker Mayfield. So it already had you questioning his presence in the locker room in the first place. So now obviously we knew it was inevitable. They went and got Deshaun Watson, guaranteed him all that money, even with his legal situation going on. Went to tell you that they didn't value Baker Mayfield. We knew this split was inevitable, and it happened. It's just crazy that in the same draft, the former number one and number three pick are going into training camp in in Carolina for a quarterback competition that I think most of us up to this point, as long as Baker's healthy heading into training camp, I think we expect Baker Mayfield to win the starting job. And what makes it more ironic is that we have a showdown Against this might be a team, two teams matched up that aren't the greatest quarterbacks because Baker could be the starting quarterback on one side and Jacoby Brissett could be the starter on the other side. And we almost have what should be a prime time showdown week one. If Baker Mayfield is announced the starting quarterback, that game should be the Sunday night football game. Yes, I'm talking about Carolina versus the Cleveland Browns. Baker against his old team the team that gave up on him, the guy who's probably going to have a chip on his shoulder, the guy who's going to want to throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns, playing against his former team that gave up on him, kind of shitted on him when, when they could have had his back or didn't stick up for him when they should have had his back in some of those situations, playing against each other. That's primetime football, ladies and gentlemen. That's a four o'clock kickoff. Might even be Sunday or Monday night. That's... That, Alter the schedule a little bit because everybody's going to want to see that if Baker Mayfield is the starting quarterback in week one. So before we get on out of here, yes, if you're watching live, if you're, if you're watching on YouTube, I appreciate you. But yes, I'm wearing an Ohio State hat, Ohio State shirt. Pretty typical outfit of me. Big time Ohio State fan. But the Big Ten, the conference that Ohio State is in, has just made two additions adding USC and UCLA, which will be effective in 2024. So in two years, we'll have an extended Big Ten. The SEC added Texas and Oklahoma. And now other schools are trying to apply to be part of what we feel like are being two mega conference being built and formed right between our eyes. So the impact, I don't know if the Big Ten really wanted UCLA, but I feel like USC and UCLA were a package deal. And so to get USC, you had to bring UCLA. And why not? USC's brand is being built right back up before our eyes. As far as a brand, I don't think it ever went anywhere, but the, the antics behind USC and getting all these recruits and these transfers, and they got Lincoln Riley as a head coach now, so their future looks very promising. They're going to compete to win the Pac-12 this year. They could be national championship contenders in two to three years under Lincoln Riley once his all his recruiting classes and his transfers 
step on the field. They got a five-star quarterback, could be in the Heisman race this year, year one. There's a lot to love about USC. And UCLA is a team that they're, I don't want to disrespect UCLA, but they're more like the Minnesota. They are to the big or Pac-12, what Minnesota is to the Big Ten, like pretty decent team, average team consistently has a year or two every few years where they pop and like, oh, they look like they're competing for the division through nine weeks and then they fall off the last two to three weeks and end up not being able to play or they'll be right there on the cusp because they're on the different sides. Like they're, they're similar to Minnesota. So if we have to take another Minnesota coming into the conference, another Minnesota like team coming into the conference to get an elite powerhouse, then why wouldn't the big 10 do it? Like you're trying to compete with the sec who just added two premier brands and, and will be effective in 2024 with Texas and Oklahoma. So yes, you got to be. And then when you think about the basketball side of things like UCLA is a premier brand. So with, so now we're talking about the big 10 is kind of on hold. I don't know why they don't get Oregon. Like if Oregon wants to come this NIL money, got a lot of things happening, got a lot of players going a lot of places, transferring, getting the bag, which I love. So I don't know why we wouldn't take Oregon and take that Phil Knight Nike money coming into the conference, a premier brand in itself. That, that has really built itself, especially over the last 10 to 15 years. Top-notch brand. Remember, the, the Oregon jerseys back in 2012 had set the world on fire. Like, let's not forget that. From, like, 2008 to 2015, just Oregon stepping in his uniforms made it a premier brand and had them getting a lot of five-star guys, had them having multiple teams competing for national championships in, in that time frame as well. Top-tier quarterbacks, top-tier running backs, top-tier players at the wide receiver position, ball players on defense. Like, don't forget, like, they had flooded the NFL with some talent because they were getting a lot of five-star guys that we weren't used to Oregon seeing because Phil Knight put all that money into Oregon and the jerseys and everything else like that. They set the world on fire for seven to eight years. So it's built, it's built off itself. They just had a top-five pick come from there. They got another guy who could be a top-10 to 15 pick next year at the linebacker position, you know, they got a uh, Peeney. They had Peeney Sewell two years ago coming at offensive line, top five pick. His brother could be a later first round pick. Like they got some playmakers, you know, they got some guys still worth talking about. So they're still landing those top elite talent guys. So I don't know what the hesitancy is, but I understand that right now the big 10 is standing pat kind of waiting. If Notre Dame is going to join the big 10 for me, Notre Dame joining the Big Ten from location, from tradition, style of play. With those three, Notre Dame joining the Big Ten makes all the sense in the world. They're located in Indiana, in South Bend. Their tradition is of that, probably maybe even of greater, to the greatest extent, up there with Ohio State, Alabama, Michigan. Notre Dame and Michigan have a rivalry, a historic rivalry. And their style of play, their recruiting style, they're, they're recruiting in the trenches and having the, you know, them big corn fed, you know, linemen and things like that. The way they play football is very similar and would fit perfectly in the Big Ten. And they would instantly compete and have an opportunity to win the Big Ten. Probably almost instantly. I give them a year. If they were to wait till 2024, they'd probably be right in the mix of being a team considered being able to take down. Ohio State, for the simple fact, they'll be two to three years in under their new head coach, former Ohio State player, uh, Marcus Freeman. So even if they're not ready year one, which 
we wouldn't get them this year anyway. But even if they're not ready, I think in three, two to three years, Marcus Freeman being adapted as the head coach, getting everything that he wants, getting everything his way, they'd probably be ready to compete. Keyword is compete in the Big Ten right away and be probably one of the three to four best teams heading in there. You know, you'd have Michigan, you'd have Ohio State, or you'd have Ohio State at the top. Then you'd have like Michigan, Wisconsin, USC, and Notre Dame if they were joining the Big Ten and join in 2024. So I think, I know the SEC probably wants Notre Dame as well, but I think from a location, tradition, and style of play standpoint, Notre Dame and the Big Ten is a perfect match. So I appreciate everybody for tuning in. I appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, Great to be back on the mic. Great to just basically have a conversation with myself. Um, So make sure you subscribe to Up in Flames anywhere you listen to your podcast. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Up in Flames Pod, Twitter at Mo underscore Cheese 15. And make sure you go to OffTheBallNetwork.com for all your sports needs and entertainment. And on that note, Up in Flames.